you had a great conversation, you had a good meeting, everything went well, and now there's no opportunity really for them to save money. Well, the prospect may not even be looking to save money. So we've got to do a better job in that first meeting in the intelligence gathering now. Welcome, everybody, to the show tonight. You know, I thought I'd do one. I think we're live on LinkedIn. The good news, Craig, is I got my own LinkedIn live. So we're going to be doing some no day way. ones. They must be slumming. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> finally gave me permission. Two oh years of goodness. requesting to get LinkedIn live. I'm five. the women we, and children. We, we only ran a professional throw for three years. And uh, <laughs> everybody under the sun could get it except for us. Although we had a track record. Um, that being said, show sponsor Virtue Health. Check us out at virtualliance.com. You got the renewals coming up. Take a mm. look at us. Group Stop Loss Purchase Consortium. We covered it today on the webinar. If you didn't see the webinar, check out the replays. 20 minutes a click. Quick, it's going to break down stop loss group purchasing for you. 20 minutes, virtualliance.com. Book a demo now. Check us out. What the hell is that, Craig? What do you got? Uh, just a pen. It's a pen from a client in Wisconsin. Thought it is was that where funny. you are? Where are I'm you? in L.A., actually. Los Angeles at the Roosevelt Los- Hotel. The Getting Rosen ready Ho- for a uh, movie preview of a movie that I helped executive produce. It's called What's It's Happening Here. And it's about uh, the sex slave trade going on in the world and the United States, of which we're one of the top three demand sources of it. And uh, it will be a shocker for people to watch. It'll be launching soon everywhere. And uh, people need to pay attention, especially if you have kids that are high school and younger. Yeah, I I hear a lot about it in California, but... um... The slave trade, sex trade, sex Everywhere, slave. dude. If your five-year-old is on a game that has, what do you call it, audio, right? So you can talk to the other players. Any game that has audio where you can talk to other players, there are people there who are sick and want to, to do things that you don't want your kids exposed to. Crazy. Let's say what's up to everybody in the crowd here, virtualliance.com. Thanks, Craig. Somebody put that in for you. If you're watching, let us know where you're watching from. Got to come on, say hello so we can see. Unfortunately, we don't get to see the live viewers anymore. Bunch of people on YouTube, Facebook. If you're on LinkedIn, say hello in the chat. Today, wanted to cover a little bit. I should switch it over to me. I'm a little slow today. I don't have my switch Thank anymore. Got to get that upgraded, man. Now, this is what happens when you get when you get the technical difficulties. You start to get flustered and you're trying to work in the background here. I need a show producer moving forward. Colton. From Iowa, Tyson Parker out in Utah. So, guys, look, wanted to go over first meeting. A lot of things we get wrong is in the first meeting. Every You could really find out. You got to find out everything in that first meeting, intelligence gathering, figuring out what you're doing, what your, what your prospect wants, what's the pain, how to sell around the pain, all that good, fun stuff. You can't leave the first meeting without it or else you're wasting time. I know you're excited. I know you may be needy. I know you may be desperate. We were all there, but don't leave the first meeting rushing out and thinking the win is that they're going to send you their data or anything like that. That's not the win. All that's going to do is get you to do all this work for free later. Hopefully you're not doing it free, but do all this work and let you down later. So save yourself the time. I know some of you we talk to, and I've got to be blunt with you and say, this is not an opportunity. And it crushes you because 
you had a great conversation, you had a good meeting, everything went well, and now there's no opportunity really for them to save money. And your mindset is, I'm going to save them money. Your mindset is not, what other problems are they having? I don't know. I just know that I can save them money. Well, the prospect may not even be looking to save money. So we've got to do a better job in that first meeting in the intelligence gathering. Now, great book. We had this speaker, really good speaker at our event. Not you, Craig. This guy, Jordan Belford, Wolf of Wall Street, Straight Line Selling. This is a phenomenal book for the first meeting. Yes, not everything applies. You're not pitching stock. You're not pitching this, but your intelligence gathering them. Orrin Cleft book. Um, what's his book called again, Craig? He's got a few. Pitch anything. Uh, pitch pitch anything. anything. Right? People were asking at the event. I mean, we had another superstar, Orrin Cleft. If you don't know who he is, you're behind. Right. He's more that pitch is the meeting. Right. That's you've done your analysis. You're coming with the program. You've got the big idea who we are. Flash roll customers that love us. The takeaway at the end. That's meeting two. But you can't get meeting to meeting two without meeting one. Right. And so this book is so phenomenal at getting you through the first meeting, through intelligence gathering, through questions asking. Obviously, this is all question asking first meeting. Right, Craig? Yeah, if you're lucky, you talked about, you know, you can't leave the meeting without some certain pieces of information. And I would argue that probably since eight out of 10 employee benefits meetings end up with no change, what brokers need to realize is that they didn't do a good enough job at finding out what problem the employer has that they now recognize that they have. Because I think what a lot of brokers miss is the fact that most employers don't recognize they have any problem. They think they're doing fine. They're already beating the peer benchmarks. And that's, for a lot of them, that's that's the only thing, the metric that they compare to. And so you have to get people to recognize they have a problem. And then when you do, you get them to explore that, articulate the consequences, articulate the timing of why it's important now to get that resolved. And then you have something to talk about. But if you just are sitting there inexperienced, and just sitting there waiting to talk to show them how smart you are with a show up and throw up features and benefits about this, that, or the other thing, then you end up being a statistic. That's eight or nine out of 10. Don't change. Right, John? Yeah. I, I tell this story all the time. We're going to, we're going to have a, we're going to have a long conversation. Now. I think we're giving it to you because this is what's needed right now in the fourth quarter. It's fourth quarter time. Let's focus in on this. Let's tell some stories in the beginning, but there's going to be more stuff at the end. I think we're going to take this one long here, even though we're not drinking. You know, I was opening up a new bank, going to the bank, and they saw the money that I had in the bank account that I was transferring, right? And so what does the rep do, right? Bells go off, got money. Let me get into my my investment advisor in the back, JP Morgan, right? Not so dumb, smart, smart guy, aggressive. I liked him. I get into the back and the guy asked me zero questions and he starts bringing up stocks and things and starts pitching me on everything that his clients are doing in the market and what I can make in these different stocks. And he had no idea that I owned a business and that I had intentions on doing two things with that money, putting it back into the business and then a real estate syndication. But he had no idea because he asked, no, he had no intelligence. Guy. He was just so excited because he's investment, excited to make me money because he thought that was my goal. Okay. Now, if he did some intelligence gathering, he would have realized what my purpose with the money was. And maybe through that intelligence gathering, he could say, you know what, based on everything that you need 
some of these items that we do with my clients now are not a fit for you, but we do have these shorter term investments that are similar to the real estate syndications that we could put in for a short period of time until you find that real estate property. That would have been a better route. But the point of the story is, is stop going so fast and thinking, assuming that they want to just save money. If you guys feel the same, comment below on what you think, what you're doing wrong in the first meeting. Don't be bashful or what you're doing right. And so, again, jump in the gun. So let's talk about going into the first meeting, right? Through Zoom, very different atmosphere. It's more. It's not as warm and fuzzy. It's harder to get people engaged, harder to get people to listen to you, hear you. You can use hands, but it's not like it is in person. Craig, what do you do? You do more meetings than anybody I know maybe outside Paul, what what do you do to start that first meetings to kind of open it up, bring attention out of the air, not make them, you know, get them out of that holding back. This guy's going to pitch me. Get ready. Get ready. He's going to pitch me. He's an insurance broker. Yeah, well, it, it all depends, right? So a lot of my, my initial calls are with CFOs. So that's a different world than most EV guys. So employee benefits guys are talking to HR managers, HR directors, VPs of HR, et cetera. And so that's a different world. You need to be a little more disarming. You need to really watch your tonality if you're a male and you're speaking to a woman. And so you need to really have a conversation about, you know, the fact that you don't know, right? There's nothing worse, especially like CFOs are really sensitive to the fact that if you show up on a call with a CFO and you make assumptions that you already know something about how they do this, that, or the other thing, then they, in most of the cases, will get pissed at you and go, look, you don't know anything about what we do, right? You're, you're assuming that this and you're, it may not even be true, right? So they don't like that. So HR people do that in their own way. So you just, it's always easy and nice to say that you just want to have a conversation with them. You're not obligating them. You don't want to make it a stressful situation. You don't want it to be a monologue. You want it to be a dialogue. You'd like to have a conversation and you want to make it, kind of a judgment-free zone. So you can just talk about where they're at, what they're doing, what they like, what they don't like, what's challenging. Is their program really a competitive advantage? If so, why not? What's their evidence that it is, right? And so you engage them in a conversation about their thoughts and feelings about what it is they're doing and maybe even what they could be doing. And then, of course, then it segues into, well, then why aren't you? And what if you could? And what would be the impact? What would be Don't the try. Oh, slow down, slow down, slow down. I'm yeah. going too fast. Going too fast for him. We got we to go. We got to give him a track here. Track to run down. Yeah. Getting in the beginning, you're giving them a soft opening to get them to talk. You know, through my Zoom meetings, I started to go right into it. I'm faster. I'm more aggressive. I want to just get right into it, right? Boom, ask some questions. And, and the... There was a little bit, it was a little too much friction. It was a little bit too much pushback and not getting the answers, not getting them to open up on, on some of the things. So me and Craig talked about it and you got to give them something. So maybe you're going to open up about a quick, you know, the best thing I think you could do is open up with a joke, get people to laugh. That's the best thing. If you're funny, great. I'm not, but that's a great thing. If you could do that, opens it up, lightens up the mood, introducing to yourself, making fun of yourself if you have to, but also have the credentials to show them that you're the real deal. Okay. Jordan Belfort talks about it. Three tens. In the end of the first meeting, well, I should say, you need to get them to think three tens. They got to be a 10 in order to buy on you, your company, your product. Now, you're not pitching your product in the first meeting. So in the first meeting, 
I'm selling myself and my company. You're right. really the product in the first meeting. You are the product. Yeah. Yeah. And like he says, in the first four seconds, many reasons why these guys would fail on the phone is first four seconds is sharp as a tack, enthusiastic as hell, and, and an expert. And so that's what people want. People want an expert to deal with. They want enthusiasm, bottled enthusiasm, not jumping up and down. Okay. And so try to get these different things, which you'll learn in a book across in that first meeting. Everybody wants an expert. I'm looking to buy a home right now. I want somebody that knows their stuff. I don't want a mediocre person. I'm just going to spend a million dollars on a home. Why would I want a mediocre person? Right. You're making a huge purchase. I want the expert. They're spending millions of dollars on healthcare. So you have to be the expert. And so you've got to get that across and not say, hey, I'm the expert. Let me tell you why I'm the expert. No, you don't say it. You do it in the methodology that you talk, the language you use, the credentials that you use. And if you don't have some of them, you're going to have to work to get them or work with somebody that has them for the meantime. Can I give you a, like a quick example? Right. So if you if this fits your personality, right, and you can find your own way to let people know that you're the expert in your own way. So if you trend more towards being an actuary type analytical, then I would have a conversation and I may say something like, you know, our 18 year track record of being the exclusive administrator of this financial hedging strategy affords us insights that no one else has. And so our ability to incorporate and integrate code sections 104, 105, 106, 125, 213D, and 419A made us successful prior to the Affordable Care Act and then 10 years since with the incorporation of 2013-54 code section, we were able to continue our success, right? See, now, I just mentioned, I don't know, you know, six IRS codes, right? So without just a very simple statement, people would be shaking their head going, okay, I'm not sure, but that guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. So you could create the equivalent with a, a story about another experience with an HR person or another client. And don't go in there telling the story about yourself. I like to say, look, let me bore oh, you to God. death. for tw- Let me bore you to death. I'm going to bore you to death for 20 seconds to say a little bit about me. Nobody gives a damn about your whole this long ass backstory. I've heard some of the guys do that and this and that. I mean, have you ever heard somebody do that to you? Okay. Yes, there's an art of storytelling, but in these Zoom meetings and these first meetings, nobody gives a damn. You got to parlay into what you're talking about and you can have a little story, but it's got to be fast, guys, right? It's got to be fast. I'm not going to tell them my whole poker story. I don't even use that anymore. Make it quick. Get right into it. But the point is, give them something about you. Give them something about your company. Now, look, Again, we talked about this with Belford. What do I do if they don't know about my company? So, you know, here was his pitch. It was like, call from Stratton Oakmont. And you probably haven't heard of us because up until recently, we were only for private investors. But we've, as of recent, we've opened it up to a national or institutional investors. Or he said, we were only available to institutional investors. And we've recently opened it up to private investors. Whatever that story you want to tell is, I mean, I tell the story on Virtue Health because it's true. You probably haven't heard about our group's purchasing program because we originally had it between a few select advisors around the country. We since have expanded it to a regional operation and hired it and allowed other employers like yourself all over the country to join this. And so now I get past of why I haven't heard you. And so that's something that you can talk about in the beginning of the meeting. You your company. Again, I'm giving you guys softballs here. Some of the stuff that I use 
And again, you don't have to use it all. Use some of it, mix it in. What do you say, Craig? Yeah, I like that. There's easy ways to, if you have it, right? You got to use what you have. And if you don't have it, then use something else. So for many of you, you're independent, right? I hear a lot, gosh, uh, well, I'm getting ahead. I don't want to get ahead. So yeah, I mean, you're going to have a conversation. You want to introduce, you want to get people to go, okay, you, your company, those should be relatively easy. If you can't convince them of you or your company's expertise, then you obviously have some work to do for next year because that's really easy relative to the industry that you're in, right? Because most people have never, if you did a Google search on most brokers, you, they don't even exist. And so it's really easy to differentiate if that's something that you need as a wedge initially, or you think you do. Great. So we're covering you, we're covering your company, right? Trying to get them to three tens. And you're, we're going to talk later about maybe a little bit about Lupin if we have enough time. We're already 25 minutes in. Now we're going to kind of go to an ask, right? And, and now I'm going to start engaging them in questions. And I'm going to steal some of Craig's language here that you guys can write down. Craig can add in because his changes all the time and he's excellent at wording. Now, with your permission, I'd like to engage you with a few questions and engage you with your permission, not ask, engage, different wordsmithing it. And most people, if you ask them for help or permission, they never say no. And so, well, sure. Now it's not as, God, this guy's drilling me for questions. He asked for my permission. And look, I'm not, this isn't 100% my style, but I've had to learn to adapt my style as I sell all over the country. Jersey people, East Coast people, get to it. I had a guy the other day, I said in the beginning, look, if I'm going too slow, you want me to cut ahead, let me know, okay? And he did. He goes, look, I get all this. United Healthcare is bad. Why should I do business with you, right? And so, again, depends on your market, who you're talking to. And so what I did with Zoom, right, is make it easy for them. Throw them some softballs, right? So we always like to start out maybe with what the purpose of healthcare is at the organization. And I might say in a manner of, we speak with employers all over the country, like yourself, and each different organization has a different purpose of healthcare. Can I ask what your purpose, what you utilize your healthcare for? And, you know, looking at this slide here, we have ones that we see that most people, the most popular ones that come up with, do any of these resonate with you? And if your reason isn't on here, I'd love for you to share what that reason is. Yeah, that's an easy conversation, right? Because now you're getting them, you're asking them a very generic question, but you're asking really for them, this is the key. You have to get them to think about what it is they do and why it is they do it and the consequences of it. So when they give you a short cursory answer that doesn't satisfy you, you say, well, I'm really interested in how you feel your healthcare is a competitive advantage for recruiting new people because you said in a post-COVID world that you guys were going to be hiring a lot of people. And I'm fascinated that, you know, of course, we all know that having to pay the highest wage is the most expensive thing you can do as a business. So benefits, because it's an income tax-free perk to the employees, of course, is a way to really leverage yourself. So share with me how medical is a competitive advantage for recruiting. And that could be the same question for retention or how does it reduce turnover? And now you're getting them to engage in a conversation with you. And that's what you have to have you, in order yeah, you, for them to ultimately be open to the next meeting. 
you've got to get them to talk. You've got to get them to gauge, get them talking. And, you know, some of the reasons that we have up here, so to give you guys softball, we give you all this stuff for free. I'm not going to, I'm going to read them. And so I have on the slide recruitment, recruitment and retention, competitive advantage, right? In today's market, recruit and retention, competitive advantage versus their competitors. Protection for the employees. You know, employees need to have it. They need to have health care. God forbid something happens. A form of compensation, a must-have. Is it a minimum must-have? It's the capital investment. I'll give an example. It gets even trickier, right? You guys got to get, you got multiple people in the meeting. You've got to ask each one. And you've got to give them a chance to speak. If you've got Susan in the back or Joe in the back that's sitting back there and he's giving you the look maybe a little bit and he's not the one speaking, you got to say, Joe, I, I'd love to hear from you. What do you feel the purpose is, right? You may get different answers from everybody. And so, again, engaging each person, feeling yeah. each one out and their different reasons that they feel the purpose of healthcare is, you're going to get complete different answers based on the profile. So just a way to get them engaged. And through that, they're going to spiral right into the next section that you're going to want to cover, right? So what is the pain? They're going to go, well, you know, we used it for this. and But as of late, you know, it's, it's originally we did it for this, but, you know, it's gone so through the roof and this and that, and we haven't been able to use that anymore. So now it's a minimum must have, or we, it crushes us in this way, that or the other. And what you're going to do is you could go right into the conversation because we're looking for the pain, right? Many of you, and I'm sidestep for a minute, make sure we cover this. What are some of the things you need to leave the meeting with? If you don't know this, you failed in the meeting because you're going to be chasing your tail. So as they're saying this, you know, that's interesting. Let's see what I had here. I, I wrote some scripting up for these guys here that I took from you. What are, let's see here, Craig used that line a couple times on the consequences of the employee. Yeah, what happens? Tell me what the consequences are. If you can't control the healthcare costs, then you have another rate increase, another rate increase, another rate increase. And it's actually bigger than the pay increase that you give your employees because then every year you have to shift costs to the employees by increasing their contributions. So now they're actually working for less money than they were three years ago because of this darn health care. How does that make you feel? How do you think it makes the employees feel? What if, right? Imagine if, you know, now you have a segue to have a conversation. Yeah, I mean, lines I have here. So when we look at, you know, interesting, you mentioned that you've, you know, this has happened and you've had to lower the cost. So when you look at the impact from the healthcare to the employees, any of these on this slide or any of the impacts you've experienced in the past currently or anticipate in the near future. So I'm just throwing up a slide now for three sections, people, capital, financial capital, financial stress. So people, capital is how has the health plan impacted the turnover, the recruitment, the wages, the retirement, right? From a financial standpoint, financial capital, CFO, how has the healthcare budget impacted the profits of the company, the cash flow, the executive compensation, the enterprise value of the organization. And again, this is thrown up on a slide where you're just giving a softball. Hey, does any of this resonate with you? Has healthcare impact you at all? Financial stress. So you mentioned that, uh, you know, you had increases, you had to do this or that. What impact has it had to the deductible? Avoidance of care for your employees. As employees had to come to you for loans because the number one reason for bankruptcy is medical debt, right? Are they and working 401k withdrawals. 401k withdrawals. I had a, an employee cry on a video one time because he was working overtime 
to have a baby, okay? And we implementing a zero deduct, zero out-of-pocket plan, and he was just at awe that he didn't have to work overtime anymore. And again, guys, these are just softball engagements. You're not covering every single one on here, but this gives you a talk track to work off of for a lot of you that are struggling on the first meeting. Nobody's perfect. We're not perfect. This thing gets changed regularly, almost on a weekly basis, tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. Okay. And so again, what is the pain? So couple with these two slides here, right? What is the pain, which is why? Because it's eventually going to be the why as to why they change, why they hire you. You have to find the why or else why the hell are they going to do anything? What is the cost of the pain, a.k.a. the consequences, the effect of the healthcare budget, the impacts to the employee and employer, right? And so when you're going through these, basically, well, how long has this been going on, right? And this is a sales funnel, like I call it, of questions. Well, interesting. How long has this been going on? It's been going on for three years. Great. And again, I'm not going to go into every detail question because it's sake of time. What have you tried to do to fix it? Meaning, what has your broker, your advisors, or whoever done to fix it? Well, here's what we've done. We've cut benefits. We shifted costs. We increased deductibles or we implemented a, Craig? High deductible health plan with an HSA. If you are using a high deductible health plan with your clients and you're telling the employer to fund an HSA, you should be fired in almost all situations unless the employer is printing money because they're giving the money away. Understand that's paying premium. You should be fired almost 90 plus percent of the time. We'll leave a little caveat there of a percentage, but probably be fired. And so we're asking what you've done to fix it. Are you comfortable relying on this strategy moving forward? And again, vague questions, spin them into your own conversation. Are you comfortable relying on this? Well, no. Right. And we're just setting a trap here to the end of the call to implement, to offer them an analysis and our expert objective advice. So you're comfortable on strategy. No, I'm not. So what would you like to see happen change? Okay. In the next six months, 12 months, what do you want to see change? Okay, great. You're uncomfortable with it the way it is now. What's stopping you from doing it now? Well, we've tried this, that, and the other, you're just asking them, these are all objections that they're going to come up with later in the sale that you can combat back and re-put, what do you call Craig, put the mirror up in front of them and go, well, based on what you said earlier. Yeah, that's the metaphorical mirror. You hold it up and you go, okay, now you, you said this, you said you wanted this, but you actually have that. What's the conflict? When you get an opportunity, why don't you take a look at some of the chat questions and let's address some of those. There's a lot of people chatting. Assuming I have perfectly qualified prospect talking to a CFO who says they want to save money. Exactly. They don't. We don't. Who says they want to save Yeah, we don't know. Exactly. What's a perfectly qualified prospect? Is overspending by at least a millionaire currently with Signa SO, yet they don't end up even doing cost modeling. Is it because I didn't push their pain hard enough? Yeah, you don't know. You don't know what their pain is. We met with somebody recently that I was 150000 under max cost against fully insured. Now, there's some other reasons why they didn't change, but they weren't necessarily 100% looking to save money, okay? Yeah. There was enough pain. I came late in this situation, and I screwed up because I didn't have the pain. Without the pain, I can't sell around the pain. Yeah. Remember, most of the prospects you guys talk to don't 
know they have a problem. You have to help them see, beautiful, cover, recognize that, that they have a problem. That is the majority of the game most of the time. Go into detail on that. You cover that a lot with me sometimes is showing them that they have a problem, reflipping over kind of what they say to you. I don't remember. Yeah, exactly if what I it was. ask somebody, what's the most important asset at your company? Is it the people? Is it the product? Is it the IP? That's intellectual property. And they'll tell you most of the time because they're human resource execs and managers and they'll tell you it's the people. Okay. So then that's an easy segue into. So, you know, after payroll, healthcare is probably the second largest operating expense at your company. You feel like that that sounds about right. Yeah. So in your mind, what's the purpose of the company investing all of those profits into medical insurance? Tell me about that. And then, so is healthcare a competitive advantage relative to the other people in your industry that you have to try and recruit against? And you have an easy segue into talking to them about the issues that they face in ways that other people aren't doing it because they're busy just waiting for them to stop talking so they can tell them about the solution that they have because they, they already know what they need. And so when all of your competitors are ready to do that, you just slow it down. You don't think about making a sale. You think about having a conversation where you're helping them to see. First, they have to say what it is that they think it is that they have. And then they're going to tell you how it actually works based on your questions. And then you're going to paint a picture for how it could be. And if they see that there's a gap, then they can tell you then why. Wow, if we could close that gap and we could accomplish this, that, and the other thing, then I could see this being the consequence for my associates, my team members, my employees. I could see this being the impact for the company, my boss, my direct report, and by direct connection, my significance with my boss and my job security. And suddenly, if we can do a really good job of painting the picture that the status quo is actually the biggest risk, then they're going to be open to the idea that, wow, it's actually necessary for me to change now because now I understand that if I don't change based on what I just told this person, it's going to cause this impact to my job security, my employer, my boss, and all of my employees. And that's the game. Get them to sell themselves on why to do it. Just stepping back, you're uncomfortable with the situation. What's stopping you from doing this right now? What would you like to see happen or change? Well, what's stopping you from doing this right now? And then the real question is, why now? Why now? Look, this is the emotional driver, and this is taken from consulting books. Some of the best in the business I've taken this kind of talk track from, questioning from, is why now? You're at 12000 per employee per year. You're in the IT field. You're making a boatload of money. Why do anything? Why not just leave it as is? And that is going to be the reason why they want to change. If you can't get that, you're kind of you're at a disadvantage because you don't know what the sticking point is to make the sale, in my opinion. Okay. Let's see what else you got. That's a really good approach. Yeah. What else do I got here on for you? Does everybody else sound so desperate? Well, what about this? Have you tried this? Have you thought about that? Have you looked at this? Wait, you got an HSA? Is it an HRA? Consider this option. Right. I, I got my. I had my buddy on a call, Craig. I have my buddy on a call. I told you this, and he's he's messaging me in the chat. HRA, HRA, 
HRA, high deductible and HRA. I was like, calm down. We're not making recommendations on this call. They have not paid us yet. And I'm not making recommendations. And I did the same thing. Couldn't wait to tell them how smart I was in solutions and I fell for the trap. Well, how would you do that? Well, what would you do? And you fall for that trap, which is there are better salesmen than you. And so you're just gathering intelligence, gathering intelligence. That's the first meeting. You've got to conversate like it's not 100% intelligence gathering, right? It's just firing away in questions. But that's really what you have to do because if not, you're just going to run back with data, spend, waste all this time, quote, and then realize, oh, wow, I can't really do anything. Can't save money. We spoke to somebody recently and it was like, I told him, I go, look, you're not going to be able to do anything for them. You're not going to be able to save money. So you need to find a reason why they would change to you because it ain't going to be about saving money. They're not spending that much money. So if you want to have a shot, you better find something else. Um, and a lot of people in human resources don't care about saving money. So you better not be a one-trick pony where it's all about the math because they don't normally care about the math. What they care about is the impact, the soft impact, if you will. How would it feel if for the next three years, every year, when you give your employees a pay raise, what do you normally give? Two, three, four, five percent? What if every year for the next three years when you give the employees, they get to keep all of it? Because you don't have to increase the health insurance premium contributions because we're doing a great job at eliminating the need to cost shift to the employees. What would that feel like? You probably, your competitors aren't having that conversation. Objections are for amateurs. I want to add, have that written down here. They're for amateurs because they're smoke screens of uncertainty. They don't have certainty and confidence in you. And you've got to, whether you fake it or not, you better, you better instill some confidence and certainty because you can see and you can read right through it. Just look in the mirror, practice, I don't know, whatever you got to do until you get that coming out where you're not thinking about it. Some of the stuff that I cover on the show, I'm reading, I'm, I'm multitasking and it's coming out because it's in my subconscious already. And so objections for amateurs, if you're asking the right questions, you're planting the right questions because your questions is based on the objections that you know you're going to face later. Right. What do they see? Setting hurdles or whatever was the metaphor. Get ahead of things right out the gate so they can't object to it later. That's what you're doing, because then you can just bring them back to what they said earlier. And so a couple of things I want to cover on what things you you need to know coming out of the first meeting. Michael Jurgen says the pain, pain of staying the same greater than the pain of making change. Exactly. If it's not, then what do you got? You need to understand what the per employee per year cost is. For those that don't know, the employer doesn't know. And this isn't a metric you need to talk about the employer and go, you're a 50. You're only doing that. I think some people misunderstand me when I talk about it. Is That's a qualifier for you in your head to understand, can I take this to a traditional self-funded policy? Okay. Is the employer cheap or not? Because if it's, what's indicative of it is if it's a low, you know, under 9,000, you're going to see a lot of single population. You're going to see low employer contribution towards dependents. You're going to see HMO rates. All this stuff is the reason why the PEPY is that low because they're, they're in a, in a cell phone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Typically, those are the reasons. And so those are not good prospects for traditional self-funded, maybe carry ASO. Yeah. Somebody had the question, John, 22,500 PEPY, and they told me the broker was doing a great job. Now, I got to tell you, I mean, that's just so easy. It's laughable, right? And so so simple question would be, well, so they're doing a great job compared to what? And let it and shut up. Compared to what? 
and let them answer. And what you're going to find is it's a lot like politics, right? People can repeat the four bullet points they hear on whatever station they listen to, but they have the depth of a puddle. They can't actually, they don't know anything and they don't know any facts. And so they can't speak to it. So you ask them 22,500. If you, why? And so, you know, if you just want to end the meeting quickly or cut right through the bullshit and go, well, so if we could guarantee a 10,500 PEPY instead of 22,500 PEPY for the next three years, would that be of interest to you? Guarantee. And if they say no, they have no intention of working with you or anybody else. Then you might just say, so is this a brother-in-law, a relative of the CEO? What's the story? Because your costs are ridiculous compared to any benchmark in existence in America. What's the real backstory? And, you know, worst case, you can get right to the, the bottom of it. But don't put up got, with that baloney. I got to And you look, you got to even recondition your own buyers because... They believe they're doing a good job. It's funny. I get an email from one of my favorite CFOs today. He's slash salesperson. He said, just heard some CFOs talking about the 22 budget and how to better manage healthcare. They're talking about unvaccinated employees pay higher. Is that like three, three blind mice? Yeah. Yeah. The unvaccinated employees pay a higher copay than vaccinated employees. Unvaccinated employees. Your your ACA unaffordability tax is going to be greater than uh, anything you think you're saving by charging a fee. Yeah. Unvaccinated employee pays additional fee to cover two COVID tests a week. Upcharge for unhealthy habits like smoking. Does this make any sense? What's your turnover rate, Mr. Employer? Do you know how long it takes for smoking claims to manifest and actually cost Hold you? Hold on, time out, time out. I went, let, me, let me tell my, Jesus I'm doing the email Christ. trail. Yeah. I said, yes, it makes a lot of sense. This is the same group of CFOs who don't have a clue on managing health care. Question, did they illustrate how those strategies lower healthcare costs? Of course not. Just lots of big talking. That's why I ask you. And then I told them smokers spend less on healthcare. <laughs> over, then non-smokers under 65, except for when they yeah. turn over 65, which are on Medicare. I said, but it's, it sounds believable, though. It, it, sounds it? Good. it sounds great. It's like wellness. Yeah. It sounds good. Ooh. I got an email today from a DPC doctor showing me how the DPC saved like 40% and cut the prescription 75%. I'm just like, what the? I got a simple question, John. I don't know if you read, but in every article published, Americans are fatter. They're more obese. They're more morbidly obese. They have more diabetes and more cancer than they've ever had in the history of America. And we spend tens of billions of dollars on wellness every year. How do you explain that? Why are your employees any different than any of the other failed experiments at other employers? Yeah, I had an employer recently, we were talking to them and they wanted to talk about, you know, they come from a big company and I think we should have a wellness program and this and that. And well, it's interesting. How did that work out for you, the wellness? Were you able to, like, like we talked about earlier, just put the mayor in front of her face. Were you able to measure how much it was savings for the company? Well, no, it's hard to measure and just push it back onto them. Just push back. Just yeah. ask a question. Don't tell them, no, you're an idiot. Just ask them a question and look yeah. down and take well, notes. You use the same metaphor. For How did that work out for you? They go, you know, one of the best, the funniest things I ever heard was either take a picture of everything before you eat it or just put a scale in front of the refrigerator so that every time you want to get something out of the fridge, you got to weigh yourself. Now, I'm going to metaphorically give you the same advice. So let's put a scale out metaphorically and weigh the outcomes of everything that you're currently doing to see how it actually impacts 
the frequency of your claims, than the average size of your claims every year. Let's take a look at that. Let's step on the scale. Yes. Most employers, Tom say, most employers spend 90% of their time on the 90% employees that spend no money on health care. <laughs> we want to change everything. We want to... Well, that's, I love when they say it's too much disruption. Oh, so your big box solution is let's implement this and let's let it affect everybody at the organization. They have to participate in it. They all got to get their coming and get their finger pricked. When 90% of them don't spend health money on healthcare, and you already know if you have claims reports, who's the people spending the money? You know their conditions. Find solutions around them. Anyhow, we're going to a different topic here. Point of the story is you need to leave with these couple things. Understand the per employee per year cost to see if it's a qualifier for traditional self-funding. Can you save them money? If not, again, guys, if you don't PPY is 100 employees, million dollars spend, gross spend, 100 enrolled, not with dependents, 10,000 PEPY. What is the pain? Find the pain, push on the pain, sell around the pain. If you don't know the pain, how are you going to structure your pitch? Pitch anything. Pick up the book. How are you structuring your pitch? Your pitch should be all around the pain. Everything that they said, they can't fight you if that's what the real pain is. And you've indicated that there is enough pain in the first meeting because sometimes there's not. You're going to realize there's not that much pain. Not everybody's a prospect. Yeah, you don't have enough prospects. You're going to try to make them a prospect, okay? And that's what you're going to do. And I've done it. I remember one time I got upset. I normally don't get upset because I always had a lot of prospects and I didn't. It's a 50K account. And I called Craig and he said, no, the, the only problem you have here is that you don't have enough prospect because you're thinking too much about this prospect because you don't have enough. And that's what you guys need to hear. Why change, right, Payne? And why change? What is the reason that they will actually change? We didn't cover this. You could talk. Oh, one thing we missed is when they talk about the changes that they've made, right, based on the impacts, what changes have you made to help with those impacts? How has that change made? Well, you've been with Blue Cross. You switched to them last year. Talk to me about that change. What went into that decision? This is huge. I can't believe I've missed this on the slide here. What went into that decision? Who was involved? I mean, they're going to give you... Really good I talked one. to these guys yesterday from California. New, younger guy, older guy, father, I think. And, you know, I thought they were Blue Cross 20 years. This is the year. Well, great. Find out what made them change. Okay. Because they didn't have the why or the pain as to why they were changing. Find out, and then find out who's involved. And now you're not short, you know, you're not blinded later about who really makes the decision there. Paul Seeger says, no pain, no gain. Welcome to the show, Paul. Wanted to have you on. I know you're a little tied up. And find out who the decision maker is, which leads me to that. Who is making the decision? Really not important. Room. Yeah. Good luck. Craig, what else we got to cover here? I think we gave them enough. If you listen to this once, go back and listen to it over and over. There's a lot. You can print money from some of this stuff. If you guys have anything, share below. Don't be afraid. You could share. That's what we're doing here. I'm not charging you anything, even though I should. I get the calls. You want me to cut? No, I'm just kidding. Just let us know if it works for you. Let us know. That's how we get paid. We like that. We like to hear it. And check us out, virtualliance.com. If you got self-funded prospects, you got clients that you want to take self-funded, there's no better program in the business than ours. Check us out, virtualalliance.com. Craig, final thoughts. Yeah, final thoughts. Stop thinking about making a sale and think about how do I engage this person in a conversation that is really low stress, low friction, so that they want to really share with me and maybe even share with me some of their vulnerabilities with what's not ideal about what they have. 
And if you can do that, you're going to be more successful than not. Beautiful, beautiful. I had one and now I am... Uh... Oh, somebody says here, how do you drop the bomb that you're not giving them free advice? It's easy. You just tell them how you work. Let me explain to you how I work with clients. We work. You never different- have to talk to them about features and benefits of anything. Well, you know, after they give you all the pain and, you know, based on everything you said, it sounds like you need X, Y, and Z. And this is what I do when I'm expert in this, which is based on all the pain they told you. And so we work in two capacity works in a, I'm going fast and vague. We work in a two capacity or in a consulting capacity and a, and a management capacity. We do both for our client. Typically, arrangements start out on the consulting side for a project and based on everything you said here, looks like what's the best fit for you is to have a project and provide you an analysis based on your current situation, where you've been, where we can take you, what the solutions you have to meet the pain, to make the go of the pain, to make the change, right? And for that, the charge is $10,000, okay? That's the fee for the advice. If you, when we come back, when you provide you with that advice, you're free to welcome to do what you want with it. If you like what we have to say, you say, you know what, John, why don't you do it for me? We want you to manage the benefits and do it for me. We're willing to give you back, apply that $10,000 fee towards the consulting fee for next year or the management fee for next year or half of it. There are no rules. Make it up. One we heard on the Hunters Club call on Fridays, not on the Hunters Club calls. You're missing out. Ah, damn, this thing's heavy. If you're not on that call, one good one was, uh, what was it? Was uh, when we deliver our analysis, you'll have 30 days or 20 days to make a decision in order to get that application of the fee towards next year. So, again, practice it and you'll get better. That advisor called me today or text me today about all this stuff. Here you go. Here's all the answers. Not every answer, but this should give you a good trial track. It's working around the country. We've got advisors from every single age in a business, 34 years. Who did I see on here before? My buddy over in Vegas. I was just talking to him. He's out living out on a golf course now, collecting fees, paying his mortgage. He says, I'll tell you what, I'm not never working for free again. That's for sure. Okay. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go, PC. Yeah. There you go, my man. All right, final thoughts. My thoughts are, look, you're only going to be as sharp and as good in that meeting as the amount of times you practice. If you don't have enough reps, better what? Practice with your wife. Practice on Zoom. Watch yourself. I got a student at the game in the other side of the office who does marketing for advisors, and he's watching replays of videos of other advisors over and over and over and over until he gets better, and he's only done like one so far. That's how much he practices already. He's not even an agent yet. And so watch out for him because he's going to be dangerous. You could be dangerous too. Just put in the work. It's fourth quarter. Our favorite time is here. Go out, make the money, win some new accounts, live a better life. More time with your family, more vacation time, buy whatever you want, whenever you want, do whatever you want, live wherever you want. Just get better at sales. Thanks got, for joining us. I got one last thought, John. I just thought of this, right? So the old way, this is what I want every broker who's listening to this to think of. The old way of selling health insurance is dead. But thankfully for you guys who are part of the Heads Up Advisors, the old brokers aren't all dead yet you get to take advantage of their opportunities. Here you go, my friend. Love that ending. They're still out there. Go plucking at them. Winter is here. Make some money. You have more fun. Talk soon. 